This morning, I want to use one little phrase at the end of verse 8 there. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. R-E-R-E-W-A-R-D. It means rear guard. The glory of the, the glory of the Lord shall be thy rear guard. In my Bible, they refer you back. They give you a reference to, 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 to go back and read another verse in the Bible that deals with that same subject. And in my Bible, it refers you back to Exodus chapter 14, verse 19, where the Bible says, And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Of course, we know the background for that verse. The Israelites had just come out of Egypt. God had sent Moses to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Pharaoh was reluctant and refused to let God's people go. And so God had to show Pharaoh his power. And so he sent ten different plagues. The final one was the plague of the death of the firstborn, the, the event that we know as the Passover. Uh, the people of Israel came out. In fact, Pharaoh, after the, his son, firstborn son, died, he drove them out of Egypt. And as they went out of Egypt, they spoiled the country of Egypt. They took the riches of Egypt with them. They were now on their way to the promised land. They were on that, their way to the land that God had prepared for them, the land that flowed with milk and honey, the land of the grapes of Eskel, the lands that God had prepared for his people. And their journey to get to the promised land was a time of preparation. Their their journey to the land of Canaan was God getting them ready for Canaan. And so as they made their way to that land, God put them through a time of testing, a time of trials. He let them get thirsty. He let them get hungry. He let them be threatened by their enemies. What God was trying to teach his people is that they could trust him, that he was sufficient, that he was able to handle any circumstance that came in their life. And he wanted his people to learn that, sort of like what he wants us to learn today. Most of us here this morning are Christians. We're on our way to heaven. Uh, and Brother Kleinfried is saying about in that last song, I- I'm going too. I'll be there. Look for me because I'm going too. And, and most of us this morning sitting in this room are ready for heaven. You're on your way to heaven, that place that God has prepared for us, just like he prepared the land of Canaan for the Israelites. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about heaven. In fact, the Bible speaks more about hell than it does about heaven. But the Bible tells us some things about heaven. The streets are made out of gold. The tree of life is there. God is there. In his, and Jesus said, I, 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 in God's house are many mansions, and I've gone to prepare a place for you. And so we know heaven is a place prepared for a prepared people by a Savior. And again, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you're not prepared. The only way you can get prepared is to admit that you're a sinner, which we all are, and come to Jesus Christ and ask him to save you. But heaven is a real place. It's a prepared place for us. And the journey, our, our, our journey as we get to heaven, is, it serves the same purpose in God's sight as the journey to the land of Canaan served for the Israelites. God is getting us ready for heaven. Look, the time we spend on this earth, 80, 90, 100 years, as Brother Clyde has, no, never mind, but... Uh, <laughs> The time we spend on this earth is, 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 is just getting us ready for heaven. And we're going to spend 
eternity in heaven. We're going to be in eternity for heaven. Don't you think God ought to get us ready? I mean, a place that we're going to live forever? God wants us to know as we come into heaven that he is an all-sufficient God, that he is a God that can meet any need, and for all eternity we don't have to worry about anything because we're going to be in the presence of an omnipotent God that can meet every need. And so to teach us that, to get us ready for that, down here as we make our way on our journey to heaven, he puts us through some times of testing. He puts us through some time of trials. Sickness comes. Financial hardships come. Relationships break. Death comes. All sorts of trials that come into our life that make up our life And God allows those things to come into our life so that we can learn, if we trust him, that he can handle every situation. He can handle every sickness. He can handle every hardship. He can handle every parting of those that, that, that we love. God's sufficient. He can handle that. And he wants us to learn that so that when we come into his presence for all eternity. Look, worry is not allowed in heaven. If you're a worrier, you need to get over it before you die. Because worry is not going to be allowed in heaven. God wants his children to enter heaven with a complete knowledge that he is able. He is sufficient. And we can rest all eternity in that truth. The Israelites knew that God was with them in this time of testing. Because he gave them visible reminders In Exodus chapter 13, the Bible says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them in the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before his people. The Israelites knew that God was with them. They knew that, and if they ever doubted it, all they had to do was look up. All they had to do was look ahead. All they had to do was look up and see the cloud that led them by day. By the way, if the cloud stopped, they stopped. And look for the fire, the pillar of fire by night. If the pillar of fire moved, they moved. If the pillar of fire stopped, they stopped. Now, some people, they imagine in their mind that that cloud that led the Israelites was like that cloud that Elijah, uh, his servant, saw when, he, uh, when, when it hadn't rained for three and a half years and Elijah uh, prayed for rain uh, to show Ahab that God was God. And his servant went out and Elijah said, did you see the cloud? He had to go back seven times and the seven times he said, I see a cloud, it's the size of a fist. Now, God can take a little cloud the size of a fist and make it rain bucketfuls like he did for Elijah. But that wasn't, I don't believe that was the size of cloud that led the Israelites. You see, if this cloud was only the size of a fist, or if the pillar of fire was only the size of a fist, a lot of the Israelites in the back of the line, there was over two million of them, they couldn't see that cloud. I think that cloud was a big cloud. I think regardless of where you stood in the line of Israelites, you could look ahead and you could see that cloud. You never had to doubt that God was leading his people. All you had to do was look up and see the cloud. In fact, I'm going to take it a step further. I think the cloud was so big that it kept all the Israelites in the shade. It cooled them off in the heat of the day. They were traveling across the desert. 
God, I think, made that cloud so big that it was between his people and the sun. And I believe the pillar of fire was so big at night that everybody, regardless of where you were in line, if you were, whether you were up front or you were in the back of the line, you could look up and you could see that, that pillar of fire and you could rejoice and say, God's with us. He's leading us. I see the pillar of fire. And I believe it was so big it kept them warm and gave them light when they traveled at night. And so there they were. They were traveling toward the promised land like we're traveling toward heaven. God was testing them, putting them through a series of, t- of, of, of trials and hardships to get them ready for the promised land like he's getting us ready for heaven. And he was leading them with the pillar of fire and the pil- and the, and by night and the pillar of cloud by day. Now they had come to one of their biggest tests. They'd come to the Red Sea mountains on either side and by the way behind them was the army of Egypt because Pharaoh had changed his mind he figured out that he'd let all his slaves go and he wanted to get his slaves back so he got all his chariots and all his soldiers and said we're going to go after the Israelites so here they were the Red Sea in front of them mountains on either side and Pharaoh's army behind them They were trapped. There was no way out. There was nowhere they could see to go. And the people said, let's look for God. And they looked up. No cloud. Where's God? They looked where the cloud had always been. No cloud. Where's God? I mean, this is the time that we need him the most. This is the time that, that we could use him the most. This is, we're about to be wiped out. We're either going to drown or be killed by Pharaoh's army. Where's God? They looked for the cloud, and they couldn't see the cloud. There's a few people in this room this morning that know exactly how the Israelites feel because you feel the same way. You're going through a time in your life that may be one of the toughest time in your life, and you're looking for God, and God appears to be A-W-O-L. He appears to be absent. You don't feel his presence. You don't feel his guidance like you have in the past. And you look to where he's always been, and he's not there. The Israelite says, where's the cloud? Again, it was daytime. Where's the cloud? Where's God? I want you to listen this morning. I want to make five. I got five points. I'm giving you a bonus sermon this morning. Usually you only have three on Sunday morning, but... I've had people tell me not to worry about time. And so when we get out about 1 o'clock and most of you are mad at me, go back there and talk to Mr. Hippensteel because it's his fault. Amen. Amen. No, I'm just kidding you. We'll be out pretty close to our normal time. But I want to mention five things. Number one, even when you can't see God, he is still there. The Israelites couldn't see the cloud. They looked in the place where he'd always been, up front, But he wasn't there. But God was just as close to them on that particular day as he had ever been. I want to remind you this morning, regardless of the trial that you're going through, regardless of the heartache you are going through, you may not be able to see God. You may not be able to feel him like you have in the past. But he's just as close to you as he's always been. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 20, the Bible says, And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. I got up this morning. I looked out. The world is still here. 
which says that God is still with us. We may not be able to feel his presence in the midst of our trial. We may not be able to see his work, his handiwork in the midst of our heartache, but he is there. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he says, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. That is a promise from a God who never breaks a promise. He will never leave us. He will never uh, forsake us. We may not be able to see him working in our life. We may not be able to feel his presence. It may seem that our prayers are going unanswered, but he's there. He's there. Number two, sometimes the only way we can see him is looking back. You see, the, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but the cloud wasn't out front anymore. That's where it had been most of the time, out front, leading the people. And they could always look and see it. But this time, the cloud wasn't out front. It was in the back. And sometimes the only way that we can see God is looking back. The Israelites could look back. They could look back to recent days. They could look back to Egypt. They could look back to the power that God exhibited in Egypt as he brought them out of slavery. He turned water to blood. He sent frogs. Frogs were everywhere. He, 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 he sent lice. He sent boils. He sent lightning and hail. Darkness. Finally, he, he exhibited his power by killing all the firstborn in Egypt that didn't have the blood of the Passover lamb on the door. The Israelites could look back and they could see how God had worked in the past. And they could know God doesn't change. He said in the book of Malachi, I am the Lord. I change not. And I know Malachi wasn't written when the Israelites were around, but just stick with me. We have it. I am the Lord, I change not. When you think the Lord is absent from your present, look back to your past. Most of us are here this morning are saved. Look back when God saved you from the penalty of sin. That was an almighty act of grace by an almighty God. You see, we were all sinners. Every single one of us, if we got what we deserved, would go to hell. We would be separated from God forever because we're, we're a sinner. You say, preacher, you don't even know me. How can you call me a sinner? I'm not calling you a sinner. This book calls you a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. The wages of sin is death. And if we got what we deserve, we'd spend an eternity apart from God in hell. But thank God we're not getting what we deserve. We're getting the mercy and grace of God, which says if we put our trust in his son... He'll forgive us our sin, justify us in his sight, make us as just as if we've never sinned, and take us to heaven. And so sometimes when we can't see God in the present, we have to look back to the past. He saved you. He made you fit for heaven. He promises you an eternity in God's house. And by the way, he's seen you through trials in the past. He brought you through that last surgery that you had. He he brought you through that last sickness that was in your family. You prayed and you begged God, and he answered that prayer in a miraculous way. There's miracles sitting all over this room this morning. Miracles that that are answers to prayer to an almighty God that hears and answers prayer. You can look into the past. If you can't see him today, look behind you. Look to, what he, look, for, for, look to what he's done for you in the past. He's the same God. He doesn't change. He still works today like he did yesterday. Number three, he may have moved behind us to protect us from something we can't handle. 
You see, the Israelites couldn't handle the Egyptian army. They had just come out of Egypt. They hadn't fought any battles. They didn't have any swords. They didn't have any spears. They didn't have any shields. They weren't organized into an army. All that was in the future. All that was going to happen as they made their way to the promised land. Pharaoh's army was one of the most proficient that existed on the face of the earth at that time. They were warriors. They had chariots. They had spears. They knew how to fight. Israel was no match for them. And God says, I've usually been out front. My people have been able to look to the front to see me leading them. In this particular case, I'm going to move to the back. I'm going to be their rear guard. In Exodus chapter 14, And it, the cloud, came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, the Egyptians. But it gave light by night to these, Israel, so that the one came not near the other all the night. Some of you have a burden this morning. It's heavy. I want you to remember something. Regardless of how heavy you feel that it is, God knows that you can handle it. Because, you see, there's a promise in the book of Corinthians that says, God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above ye are able. God knows your limit. God knows how much you can handle. Satan is on the outside of your life, and he wants to keep piling on the trials and piling on the heartaches and piling on the hurts. And God says, nope, that one's not getting through because I know they can't handle that one yet. And you're not going to put that one in their life because I know they can't handle that one. That one's okay. That'll teach them. They can handle that. It'll be tough, but I know they can. That's how God works. He knows what we can handle. And he promises, I'll never let anything through unless, first of all, I know that you can handle it, and second of all, I can work a purpose. I can work a purpose. Number four, sometimes God moves to the rear because he knows if we could see what's ahead, we wouldn't go. We wouldn't go. Always out in front of the Israelites, always leading them. This particular case, he moved to the back. You see, God knew what was out ahead. He knew there would be fighting and wars. He knew that there would be rebellion. He knew that there would be 40 years of wandering in the wilderness where everybody over 20 would die. God knew all that. And God knew if he let the Israelites see it, they would just say like they did when they first came to the promised land, let's go back. (laughs) We didn't have it so bad in Egypt. Let's just go back. Sometimes if God took our blinders off and we could see what's ahead, what we would say to God is the same thing the Israelites said. God, just let me off the bus right here. Just let me off at this stop. I don't want to go any further. And what we'd be saying is, God, I don't want to learn anything more about you. I just like to stay right where I am in my understanding of you. I don't want to learn anything else because I don't think I can take the teaching. God knows what trial comes next. He knows what heartache comes next. If we could see it again, we might say, no thanks. I'll stay exactly 
where I am. And God says, I don't want you to stay exactly where you are. You're not ready for heaven yet. I mean, you're going because you've trusted Christ, but you need to learn something else about me. Your faith in me needs to grow. It needs to get deeper. The roots need to go further down into the solid rock. I mean, you you need to learn that regardless of what circumstance I put you in, you can trust me. I'm sufficient. You're, You're at this level right here. I want you to get up here. And others, I want you to get up here. And that's why we sing the song. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on solid ground. He wants you to get to that place where you can trust him regardless of what comes. And then number five. If we keep moving forward... God will open a door and provide a way. The Israelites thought, there's no way. Mountains on both sides, Red Sea in the front, the, Israel, the, the Egyptian army behind us. What are we going to do? We need a miracle. God says, good, I got you right where I want you. If they could have figured it out on their own, they wouldn't have needed God. If they could figure out how to get out of that box in their own devices, God could not be God to them. But they got to the point where they didn't know what to do next. They got to the point where there was no light at the end of the tunnel. They got to the point where no man could figure out what to do. And God says, good, 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 good. I got them right where I want them. Because they'll see that I'm a God that can handle anything. You feel like you're in a box? Feel like there's no way out? Feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel? You're in a situation you just don't know what to do? God says, good. I got you right where I want you. Because when you don't know what to do, there is a God that does know what to do. When you say in your life, I need a miracle, there is a God that has a miracle ready to work in your life. And he gets us to those places in our life where we have to look for him, where there is no other choice. And God says, okay, now learn. You can depend on me. I am sufficient. I can meet your every need. The more we understand that, the more fit we are for heaven. The more that we just can, can, can take that truth and know that our God can handle anything, 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 the more fit we are to enter into his presence. Going through a tough time in your life? Need a miracle? Amen. Praise God. Thank him. Because he's about to work one. He's about to work one. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you what we can learn from how you dealt with your people in the past. And I pray, Father, I, I, I know we have some folks in our church right now that are going through some, some, some terrible times. Father, there's things in their life that they would in no way have chosen. But, Father, you've allowed them to come. You've allowed them to come for a purpose. So trust you more and more and more. And I pray, Father, that we would learn. That we would learn that you're an omnipotent God who is trustworthy in every circumstance. That you can handle anything. And, Father, we would just lean on you. We would just trust you. I pray for those that might be here this morning that don't know Christ as their Savior. Holy Spirit, help them to understand that their sin separates them from from you, separates them from God. And that sin will separate them from you for all eternity. Nothing they can do to pay for that sin. 
But Jesus paid it already. Paid the price for our sin when he died on Calvary's cross. He offers to every person the gift of salvation. A gift that all we have to do is come and receive. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, if there's just one person here that's never trusted Christ, you would help them see their sin, the penalty for that sin, the price that has been paid, and they would come to Jesus this morning. Just bless this time of invitation. Use it as you see fit. Help us to be obedient, to listen, and to be obedient. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.